You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. So good to be with you today on this fine Tuesday afternoon. Today on the big program, we're going to ask, are you buying a lottery ticket? Almost a billion, billion with a B dollars up for grabs, I guess, with that. Would you, what would you do with the money? Is it right for a Christian to do that? There's also a pastor who got robbed in New York City during, uh, during his sermon, and uh, he was robbed of a million dollars of jewelry that he's wearing. Uh, does he buy a lottery ticket? I don't know. We're going to get to all of that next hour. But right now, in this hour, I have guests with me, and I want to hire, I, I want to highlight or hire. I'm not hiring, but uh, you can come and say hi. I want to highlight some work that uh, the church is doing for people who are in crisis pregnancies. And in the wake of how the Dobbs case, in that's the one that reversed Roe versus Wade, has brought a lot of attention and attack to pro-life crisis pregnancy clinics, I thought it would be important for us to talk about this. As you might be aware, Pro-life crisis pregnancy clinics have been attacked, vandalized, burned down, Molotov cocktails, all of that, threatened all across the country. And what's also happening is certain politicians, pro-choice politicians, have dialed up their criticism of crisis pregnancy centers following Dobbs. Elizabeth Warren may be the most famous one. This is what she had to say about it. ...centers that are there to fool people who are looking for pregnancy termination help, outnumber true abortion clinics by three to one. We need to shut them down here in Massachusetts and we need to shut them down all around the country. You should not be able to torture a pregnant person like that. It's an outrageous comment that she wants to shut down these crisis pregnancy clinics. The reason they're outnumbered three to one, by the way, is because there are a lot of crisis pregnancies and women out there appreciate having a choice and having help even when they want to keep their baby. And they like being able to have a genuine, if you're pro-choice, you're not really pro-choice if you're not for a choice, meaning that if you're not really providing, you know, the, the opportunity to have a choice, if you're not if you're not given all angles to it, then it's not really pro-choice. Uh, and by the way, I don't think people are so stupid that they don't know the difference. I know in a crisis, you might walk into to one and not realize that they may not offer abortion. Maybe you didn't check the website or didn't know. Um, but I think people figure that out. On a state level, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer last week line item vetoed out of the state budget $20 million that would have given $3 million to crisis pregnancy clinics, as well as $10 million for advertising adoption options for women. And her spokesperson, Bobby Leedy, said in a statement that the governor, quote, cannot support aspects of a bill that sends millions in taxpayer dollars to fake health centers that would intentionally withhold information from women about their health bodies and full reproductive freedom. They always say free reproductive freedom when they mean abortion, but we can't really say it, right? If, you, if you're being deceptive or you think people are dumb, you use a euphemism. Let's just call it what it is, and that's something I think that we should do. There's been examples of some, you know, crisis pregnancy clinics that haven't been truthful. That's happened before. NBC did a study on that with a couple of them, but almost all of them are doing great work. They are helping women across the country with their pregnancy care, health care issues, and uh, even care for women who've had abortions and are going through difficulty with that decision. My guests are Vanessa Moran from the... Uh, she's the executive director of Community Pregnancy Center in Simi Valley, and Joyce Sexauer, who is the client services manager. And uh, ladies, welcome, welcome to our program. 
Hi, Scott. Such a pleasure to be here with you and your audience. Thank you for having us. Oh, thank you. Welcome, Joyce. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this and for having us on. Well, I think it's important with what we are seeing in the news and uh, the obviously there's there's you know, physical concerns that you probably have with the violence that's been threatened and those kinds of things. But I, I think it's important that our audience understand what happens at a crisis pregnancy clinic like yours. Um, since the Dobbs case, what has that meant for you at uh, Community Pregnancy Center? You know, um, I'll just kind of walk you through the operational side of things. We've actually been experiencing a great deal of community um, just uh more communion. I we've had plenty of churches and local uh, partners that, that we affiliate with, local CPC uh, uh, doctors calling us and letting us know that they're available for us should we need anything. Um, oftentimes, if there's a service that we can provide here at our clinic, we will partner up with uh, Christian or Christ-like um, clinical providers that can provide those services for free or at a lower cost. And so we've uh, actually been flooded with a lot of support. So we're very happy to say that since the overturn of Roe and Wade, I feel like there's an awakening among those who value life to come together and be um, a force where, you know, we provide more more support and more services to these vulnerable women. I think that's really good to hear. I think um, this is an opportunity. We can't miss this opportunity, especially really it's the same anywhere, but in California where abortion is still going to be readily available. Um, you know, there is a, a lot of work that the church needs to do and people who are also for life. We shouldn't uh, make the mistake in saying that uh, you're only for life if you are a religious person. Um, Joyce, you've been, there, you've been there a long time, Joyce. You must have some powerful stories. What client story comes to mind without naming any names and keeping privacy? You know, when you think about the women who you've helped, uh, what kind of a story yeah. can you tell us? Oh, boy, yes. I have lots of stories. Um, One that comes to mind, um, this was pretty recent. Um, This young woman um, came to us and um, had just found out she was pregnant. And um, her boyfriend did not want her to have the baby. And um, she was such a tender sweetheart. She she wanted to know... um, what the abortion would be like and uh you know she wanted an ultrasound so that she could see so you know that's what we're all about here at the cpc we uh want these women to have all the information they need to make an informed decision we're all about empowerment for these women. And so we go over the abortion procedure and what that will look like. We give them accurate information. We um, talk about adoption, um, what that looks like, what an open adoption looks like, where they can be part of their baby's life if they would like to. So they an open adoption adopt- is that you are not anonymous, that you uh, remain in the baby's life even though you've given up all of your custody rights. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, it's not where they just whisk the baby away and you never hear about the child again, you know. And so we discuss that. And then we discuss what it would look like to parent this baby and all of the resources that are available. And um, we have so many resources here for them. So with this particular girl, you know, we went through all of that. 
she and she still she left us um, still undecided, but with a lot to think about. She ha- actually had an appointment for an abortion the next day. So of course we have oh, oh, almost 300 people on our uh, prayer team that we call. A lot of times we'll call them real time when we have an abortion vulnerable girl in the clinic and so we get people praying right away so we alerted our prayer team that about this one client and um the next day you know we were just praying you know we knew she had that appointment and the next the day after that i gave her a call and um she said i'm so glad to hear from you she said i went for my appointment and i just couldn't do it she said i left and she, I left the clinic, and I'm not going to abort this baby. I'm going to have this baby. And um, since then, she has had she had a baby boy, and um, she sends us pictures. Mm. And she is the most devoted mom, and uh, she just can't thank us enough. You know, she says that he wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the CPC, and and. So that one, that, you know, that scenario is, of course, repeated over and over again. God does miracles here daily. Yeah, I was about to say that that story is very common. That happens a lot. And, uh, you know, do do you feel like somebody who comes in and they've made an appointment maybe for an abortion somewhere, um, do you— do you feel like they often really want to have the abortion or do they more often just feel like they don't have any choice? I think most women feel like they have no choice. Yeah. Um, I don't, it's, we have had, you know, clients that are, that are pretty stoic and say, no, this is what I'm doing. I'm having an abortion, you know, but for the most part, they're scared. They're overwhelmed they this wasn't planned um and they 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 don't want they don't see any other option but yeah. to you know, take care of it quote unquote you know all right you're listening um, to uh southern california live i'm scott furrow my guests are uh vanessa moran the executive director of the community pregnancy center in simi valley enjoy sex hour the client services manager what's typical what typical care can you give a woman who comes in in a crisis pregnancy? What does she get from a clinic like yours or even some other clinics that uh, you might work with and know about? Yeah, so they um, automatically are able to get a, um, a pregnancy test from us. It usually requires urine, and, you know, we, we do the process here. And all of, all of this uh, is uh, free. Absolutely. Well, free to and the I women, not free to you, but free yes. to the women. <laughs> we're actually donor funded and I think it's really important to say that um you know again it's it's men and women who truly believe in in the in sanctity of life and and the value of life and so we are completely 100% donor funded um uh, which allows us to keep our doors open um and be able to be of service to women at all times free of cost uh with that being said um uh, going back to the medical services, uh, once pregnancy is confirmed that we can move forward into doing a um, ultrasound for this young lady at free of cost as well, where in the outside world, it would cost you, Scott, anywhere between 200 up to $400 here in California right. just to have an ultrasound like that. So 
for us to be able to stand here and say that we can provide those services for free, it, that is of great value to our communities. Um, after the uh, pregnancy is confirmed, then we can give peer-to-peer -peer counseling. And if anything further outside of our scope is needed, that's when we affiliate with local um, providers here in our area who also believe in the value of life who can then treat this women. Yeah. Do you find that um, in your in your counseling, how long does that go on? Your relationship yeah. with a client once they come in? Oh, you mean ongoingly? Yeah. Does a you know does a client come in and say, okay, I'm here, and you do the ultrasound, and I'm going to keep the baby, and uh, is is that it, or uh, you know, how long can a person be cared for, oh. if particularly if they're in a oh. crisis, economic or otherwise? Yeah. So we have um, ongoing. We we follow up with them maybe a couple weeks or even a week, depending on the situation after they've been in. We follow up with them throughout their pregnancy. If they're in need of um, clothing or strollers or, you know, whatever we, like Vanessa said, we yeah. team up with a lot of um, people in the community and um, organizations that mm. help. We provide diapers and wipes. They can come in every month. So a lot of times our, we see our girls from the time they came in and found out they were pregnant, even through um, the, the the time where they're in diapers. Yeah. And we see them every month um, yep. for diapers and wipes. And you know, so. Scott, it's, um, it's, that's a wonderful question you asked because I want to add to that that we've had women who came in very adamant about having an abortion but then they experience this baby's life for the first time as mothers, and it just transforms their whole entire world. And now you're witnessing their second pregnancy hmm. and even their third pregnancy. And we are there, we are there uh, throughout the entire you know, lifetime of that baby as far as you know, seeing them through the, the, the various pregnancies, providing those baby supplies that they need, providing that peer-to-peer -peer support with them. Um, a lot of them call us friends, and that's mm. because we really do become that friend or that family figure that they don't have it present in their lives. And so it, it makes really experience so much more robust and so much more beautiful at a very personal level you said um, they, because the, they come in as yeah. They don't have a family presence in their life. Would you say that is uh, common, you know, like one of the most common denominators? Like what does a client typically look like who is coming to you? Yeah, a lot of these women come from very broken homes, um, homes in which they've been out on their own for quite some time, even in their late teens to early adulthood. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, they, uh, you know, throughout life choices, right, they find themselves in situations that they weren't prepared for. And luckily, they find us and we're here to provide that word of hope that they need. And, you know, it goes back to um, just being able to empower these women to say, listen, you don't have to do what we say, but these are your choices. This is what you have as a resource, you know, make an informed decision. And I can tell you, Scott, not everything is a happy ending. Right. And so that's really important for us to talk about, right? Not everything ends on a happy note um, as far as them fully understanding how empowered they can be and how capable they are to raising their child. Some of them have already made up their minds, and that's okay. And I think it's really important to say the part of the services here that we provide is also to give acceptance to those decisions. If someone walks in here and says, listen, I just want to make sure the baby's still in there so I can get rid of it. I mean, I'm just giving you an example of a very real conversation. We're going to move forward with those free services. We don't turn away anyone regardless of what comes out of their mouth. 
whether they already know they're going to abort, whether they know they're going to keep them. We're not here to convince anyone of anything. We're here to provide a medical service and be a voice of hope for you. That is it. I think that's really important for our audience to understand because what's being said in the media is that you're a sinister organization only there to prevent abortion at any cost, even at the cost of your own integrity and uh, not really helping women uh, beyond that decision. I I wish we could disclose more. Obviously, we can't uh, due to privacy laws, but... Gosh, if I can tell you how many of those women we have seen actually post-abortion come back and they are received with arms wide open, even yes. though we know that that second pregnancy, third, fourth, fifth pregnancy is going to end in abortion. We are not here to pass judgment or condemn you. We are here just to make sure that we can provide that medical service for free, that we can meet your need. And if maybe one day along the way, we can help you to emotionally, physically, and mentally realize how precious that little life inside of you is, then great. And if, But at the end of the day, it's just about making sure that we met a need yeah. when they came in. You know, a lot um, of... And it's like, Go ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just very unfortunate that the secular world calls us sinister, calls us manipulative, calls us every book in the name that is derogative, but I wish people would come in and truly experience what we are for what we are, mm-hmm. which is just a godly, loving center. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I can go further into telling you that a lot of the women who end up either working here or volunteering here have been women who have experienced abortions themselves. Yeah. So with that being said, we just don't talk the talk. We actually walk the talk. In, in knowing firsthand what you've experienced. I think it's really important for people to uh, realize that. And people can come in to uh, your clinic and also anywhere, right, and ask questions, find absolutely. out what it's about. Absolutely. You know, and oh, I th- absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I always, I, I always tell our client advocates that if we do have a woman who chooses abortion and, you know, that's tragic and we all, you know, we grieve over that, but if she comes back with another pregnancy and she comes back into our clinic, that tells me that we did our job. Mm-hmm. We loved her well. We gave her good, accurate information, and we didn't judge her because she she knows this is a, a safe, safe place. place, no matter what her decision was. And um, and that's you know that's our our goal is to love them well to talk to them about Jesus as as much as we can, as long as if there's an open door. Yeah. And to, um, you know, we and aren't here to judge them. There goes any one of us except by the grace of God. We all fall God. short you of know? the glory of God. And, and what would you say yes. to, to listeners right now who have had abortions and they're listening and uh, some of them, uh, they haven't forgiven themselves for that? They are suffering. Maybe they've never talked to anybody. A lot of women bear that burden alone. Nobody knows. Uh, What would you share with that woman right now? Gosh, we want you to know if you're listening that God loves you. Mm -hmm. And God knew every step and every day that has been written in the book of life for you. God did not miss a bit. And God knew what steps you were going to take. And God has been standing by you this whole time. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know that the blood of Christ has already freed you and wash away all your sins. Mm-hmm. 
And so it's just a matter of you forgiving yourself. And I want you to know there are free resources out there in your local communities where they can partner you up with free, uh, free counseling, free Christian counseling that can walk you through how you can forgive yourself and, mm-hmm. and see, the, see God's blessing in your life and God's forgiveness in your life. Mm-hmm. So hope is not lost. And I hope that, that if there's anything that leaves in this conversation in your heart is that you've been forgiven yeah. and that you are greatly loved by your Savior. Yeah. And I would encourage you, if you're listening and that's you, to to make sure you tell somebody. And maybe you look up one of these. Uh, you can look up the Simi Valley uh, Community Pregnancy Center, or if that's far away, look up one that's in your community. There's a lot in uh, L.A. and San Diego and everywhere that uh, you might be listening to this. There are people who are ready to hear you and who are going to love you and, and point out that that the Lord loves you, that you have yeah, not disqualified yes, yourself from the grace of God. Not at all. No. All right. And we are talking to quite a few, you know, one in four women, they Absolutely. say, have, you know, had an abortion. And, um, yeah, our our course that we have here is a 10-week course, and it's, it's called Forgiven and Set Free. And that's exactly what women that go through this course, they say it's exactly what happens. They learn that they are forgiven and they are accepted in Jesus, and they're set free. Yeah. They don't, no longer is it a something that they feel like they have to hide, you know, and a shame, shameful thing. They're, right. they're free. Do you have a, do you have anything for men if they show up, they've got questions? Like oh, absolutely. We actually and... have an extent. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. So we actually see quite a few men here, believe it or not. I know. Are, you the, know, the, are the men pregnant? Because right? that's what we're hearing today. They can do. <laughs> you probably haven't seen that really. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, okay. No. <laughs> but you know, just men, if you're listening, you are well equipped to be a father. You are well equipped to accept this responsibility. Mm-hmm. Know that the, your partner is relying on you to step up and be a man of God, be a father to this child, mm-hmm. and That's know right. that it's okay to be be. It's okay to have fears. We all do. Mm-hmm. It's okay that the unknown is a frightening place to see yourself at. But once you step in there in faith, know that God is just going to walk with you. Um, we have actually an extension of our ministry. We call it Men to Men, where we actually partner up men of God who are well established in our communities at churches yeah. or just serving God in different ways. Where you know, if a man, if a male comes in here for STD testing, which by the way I forgot to mention that earlier, we also do STD testing for free, yeah. and that's for them. For we're men coming up on a, we're coming up on a break here, so I want to make sure. sure that so so there's all kinds of testing that you've got. You've got STD yes. testing, obviously pregnancy testing. You've got uh, yep. um, the, the ultrasound, ultrasound machine, which is a big deal, and lots of counseling yes. for people. And you don't have to be a Christian or religious to uh, show up. Nope. Oh, no, no, not at all. Be you yeah. can be from all walks of life you are loved you are not judged and if even if you don't want to talk about god that's okay we will respect that if you just want a friend to listen to you a good advice that's what we're here for um so we have a men's ministry that they can be partnered up with another male outside of our clinic just to be a friend and an ear to and a voice of hope same goes for women we're starting our first ever mom-to-mom support group so you were talking about how do we support this women post um, delivery of birth of their babies, this is how. We want to know how you're doing. We want to know how else can we be involved in you having success at being a parent. Right. So All right. many well, good things to come. 
I know you need to get back to your work there that you uh, took just a few minutes off for our interview today. So I thank you for that. And, and uh, Vanessa and uh, Joyce, thank yeah. you for joining us on Southern California our Live. Pleasure. Vanessa and Joyce our are thank you for having us. Yeah, are from Community Pregnancy Center mm-hmm. in Simi Valley. You can check out their website. It is cpccme.org for more information. And I want to encourage you, if uh, you need help in this way, uh, check out that website. They can refer you to a place closer to where you live, or you can even uh, call your local church or give me a call here. And uh, you can write me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Thank you, ladies, for joining me today. God bless you all. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for what you do. we got to take a break. We'll come back with your calls. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to respond or you got a story to tell about this, 888-528-2557. You can call now. I'm Scott Furrow. This is your Tuesday edition of Southern California Live. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host with you Tuesday afternoon. I hope that you're having a great Tuesday. You can call and join our conversation at any time, 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS is the easy way to remember that number, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. We, in the first segment, we had guests on from a Community Pregnancy Clinic in Simi Valley, and, you know, there are so many things that are going on that I that the church has been supporting that has been great with all the the criticism that the church gets and for just various things even with inside our own church right any church that you go to we criticize all kinds of stuff and the church it sometimes it deserves it sometimes we've got dumb stuff that we've been doing imagine what would happen if the church wasn't here i mean even in our our state of you know where we could do things better and i think we're learning Imagine if we weren't here. Imagine how much worse the homeless crisis would be here if there weren't Christian recovery homeless centers like Union Gospel Mission and places like this. What? Imagine if there were not churches all across the Southland and the country who were providing recovery options, celebrate recovery, and uh, pregnancy care clinics like this one that some politicians want to shut down. They just think that there's they're some kind of terrible thing. In a report put out by uh, the Lozier Institute, which we've had a guest on from there uh, earlier this year, um, pregnancy care centers like this one have given a total value of services of $266 million a year for women who are in crisis pregnancies. That's $266 million that is not spent by the health care system or your tax dollars. And, of course, if you multiply that by what your health care system would charge, it's it's probably in the billions with the B. Did you know that? Like the test that you go buy, if you go buy it and you pay cash, it might be $9 for your pregnancy test. But if your insurance is paying for it, it's probably $70. You go get a uh, ultrasound. You can get one for $250, $400 maybe is what it might cost. Uh, if you paid cash, but it could be thousands of dollars because of insurance. It's a whole other issue there with our healthcare system. But see, all of these things work together. And the important thing for us, and it's really important for us as a church to to understand and also to celebrate with all the, the negativity out there, is that there's a lot of good that the church is doing. We should keep something in mind about the church. And I got, you know, I got things to be critical about. I've been a pastor for 25 years. My dad's a pastor. I have been inside the church my whole life. 
since I was a little kid. I mean, I was running sound at church business meetings when I was a little kid. And, uh, you know, you, you hear things and you understand things about, uh, about church that you wish you didn't know. Somebody, somebody famously said, I don't know who this is, they said there's two things that you should never know about. One of them is how sausage is made, and number two is how your church operates. And, and you know, I understand what he's saying, because sometimes we just get into the the dumb stuff. But do not lose sight of the fact that this is Jesus' church. The body of Christ is the bride of Christ. And whenever we get real critical of the church, we should we should keep something in mind, that you're criticizing Jesus' wife. How do you feel guys out there when somebody is criticizing your wife or ladies when somebody's criticizing your husband uh even if that criticism has some truth to it i bet it makes you pretty mad it makes me mad it just drives me crazy and whenever that happens and you know it makes me wonder if that's if that's something that's innate in me and i'm made in the image of god i wonder how jesus feels when we are criticizing his wife the church. Just something to think about. I don't think it means we don't challenge the church. I think it. I think we need to, I think the scriptures make it really clear that we have a responsibility with the church to make sure that its leadership is, is moral, that its leadership is the people who are supposed to be in leadership. Uh, it's very clear scripturally that we need to be paying attention to how the dollars are spent and raised and all of those things. And I think it's good stewardship to make sure that you're doing all of that right from a business standpoint. Um, and really even more important than a business standpoint, a, a testimony standpoint. Does your church, would your church give out its budget and numbers to a random person coming in and asking? You know, that's an interesting, it's just something to throw out there. I made it a policy as a pastor that we would. If you came into our church and I'd give you the budget, you want to know what I'm making? I'll show you. You want to know, and, you know, I think if you don't have something to worry about, you can probably make a good argument, right? If you are, you know, if they think, oh, the pastor's getting paid too much, you can always ask, well, what do you think the pastor ought to get paid? You know, should the pastor be able to live somewhere near the church in town? Should the pastor be able to feed his family? You know, there's there's good questions, you know. Can the pastor pay the rent? Should the pastor have two jobs? How many pastors out there, by the way, have more than one job? bunch of you have more than one job. How many pastors are driving Uber out there? A whole lot of pastors are driving Uber. I got a friend who's a pastor. He loves it. He would do it if he, even if he didn't need the money. I thought about it. I've never done it, but I thought, you know what? That would be, because I like people and I like talking to people. And you get a new person in your back seat all the time. You know, how you doing? You know, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. <laughs> but what he does is he cranks the uh, Christian music and he says, you would be surprised how many people get in my car and I'm playing some worship song and they start crying and they start saying, I haven't been to church in so long, or I have dealt with all this stuff for so long. You know, the church is busy. The church isn't just your building and your address and whatever's happening inside there for an hour on Sunday morning. The church is you. You know, how many people go to church every weekend in the United States? How many people every week go to church? The studies say about 21% are regular churchgoers. That's it, like all the time. But you know what? That's not true if you know what the church is. The number is how many people are at church every week. The number is almost 100% because almost every person in America knows somebody who is part of the church, and they're with them at some point during that week. You work with them. You go to school with them. 
They live next door. You interact with them somewhere. See, I wonder how often we as the church forget that that is us and that when our friends are with us, when our classmates are with us, when we're at work, those people, they're at church because we're there. Do you think of it that way? We need to think more of it that way. I think that's how Jesus thinks of it. I think Jesus looks at our individual congregations for what we're doing, and I think that's fine. But there's really just one church, just one church, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. Scott Furrow, Southern California Live. I think about these uh, these clinics, you know, quarter of a billion dollars spent every year. It's donated money. Most of the people working there are volunteers. There's usually a paid staff person, an executive director, and somebody who runs the program. But most people are are volunteers, and a lot of churches and individuals are giving. And you, know, and, and you find that it's not just religious people. That's just a myth that's being thrown out there. In fact, I found a uh, a completely non-religious, I don't want to say atheistic because they don't really make that claim, but they're making a claim that they're basically feminists who are anti-abortion for the idea that says, hey, you know what, we, we support women uh, from uh, the time they're conceived. It's a woman in the womb, and we're going to support that woman and her right to life. It's a very interesting uh, thought um, that I think is the same that you would have if you're not for uh, abortion. What are some other subjects, some other areas where the church is already doing a lot but could do a whole lot more? You know, I think it gets exciting, doesn't it, as as part of the church to realize that we're impacting people's lives on a regular basis, that we're not just running a show every Sunday, that we are actually impacting people's lives. Hopefully the, the show on Sunday, you're gathering together. I probably shouldn't always call it a show. Some places it's kind of a show, right? But and, you know, there's, there's a stage and somebody's giving a, a talk and there's musicians and hopefully they're good and hopefully they, they took time to practice, and uh, which makes the entire experience better. Uh, and they should be doing that to the glory of God. But hopefully what happens in the church isn't just for that hour. Hopefully it's empowering to you to go out and love your neighbor, to go out and love the people that God has placed in your life. What the church is doing when we look at it that way around the world is amazing. It's really amazing. What are some other areas where the church could spend a quarter of a billion dollars and make a dramatic impact? Another subject with poverty, another subject with with missions, with homeless. There's a lot, I think. I personally think that the time is now for churches to learn how to get along with each other and to not compete with each other. We don't compete with other churches. Well, you don't, you don't say it, but you know, at the end of the day, do you want, you know, is your church kind of saying my church is better than your church? You should come to my church. There was a church in uh, San Diego a long time ago now that used to put an advertisement in the newspaper when they used to have those. And it used to literally say, and that's a, this is a Christian newspaper. It's targeted to Christians, okay? There are no non-Christians reading this newspaper. And the advertisement said, is your church boring? Then come to our church. And I thought, who's that for? It's, it's a net gain of zero for the kingdom of God. Anyway, I think that we can do a lot more. Got any ideas? You can always share them with me. The number is 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be right back. As your Tuesday edition of SoCal Live continues, stay tuned. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you on this fine Tuesday. 
afternoon. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join our conversation, 888-528-2557. Before the break, we talked about what are some other things that the church, the body of Christ can do if we were to put a bunch of money together and have a great impact in the world. We have been talking about crisis pregnancy centers And I can tell you from my own personal experience, from working in there and volunteering some time with a lot of stories, day after day after day, people are helped. I was glad to hear in that interview, by the way, that that guys are helped. You know, one of the things that just irritates me, men, is that you try to get out of the responsibility. I was reading um, a Yelp page for uh, one of these care centers. You know, people leave, so funny what people leave remarks on. On uh, on Yelp, you know, sometimes people complain about the, the paint at the place. You know, I always got my coffee here, but uh, the paint has been peeling down. And, uh, you know, it is a, um, a crazy thing that that happens. So I was reading that, and somebody actually wrote on this review that she went into one of these clinics. It was a negative review. She went into one of these clinics because she had fallen pregnant. That's what she wrote. I, I thought I had, she, turns out she wasn't pregnant. That's actually what it turned out. They gave her a free test and they gave her and uh, turned out she wasn't pregnant. So she goes in there, she gets a lot of free services and then she writes a negative review because uh, they wouldn't give her, uh, I guess they wouldn't refer her to uh, someplace to get an abortion, which they said, well, that's because you weren't pregnant, number one. Um, but I thought it's funny that she would, I, I, I've fallen pregnant. Like this just happens. Like you got the COVID, you know, you, you, you know, obviously you, you should have been, uh, wearing a mask and wearing pants that something should have happened. It doesn't just happen. That's always left out of the story, right? It, it's always left out. You really should, um, uh, be, you know, be aware of how these things happen. 888-528-2557 is the number. Uh, let's go to Steve in Glendora. Steve, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Chris, Steve, you with me? Yes, I'm with you. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead, Steve. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've got a question. Can a Christian uh, member of the Anglican Church of North America, which broke away from the Episcopal Church, and you're talking about divisions between churches here, can they legitimately take the Holy Communion at, uh, at an Episcopal church from a gay lesbian priest, uh, I'm fully understanding that the Episcopal church condones both uh, homosexual marriages and also uh, priesthood and uh, priests that are in that, of that bent. So you're, you're, you're asking... Um... It's, it's the theory, it's the, it's the doctrine of that church that has been changed. So, yeah. so, so it doesn't it get, exactly fit under what would be called the ex- Augustinian conclu- uh, 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 permission thing uh, for communion from a uh, communion from a, a person in sin is, is allowable by Augustine. But we're talking about a whole church. Sure. Well, uh, Steve, I appreciate uh, your call, and we're talking about how churches can work together in some ways. And you know, I'm going to let you go, Steve, and I'll give you the answer here. Um, thank you for calling. One of the things that churches have to deal with is that we do have different denominations. And everybody listening, we're probably just about every major tradition is probably listening right now. And some of you are wondering exactly the same thing that Steve is wondering. And some of you are wondering, what's an Anglican? So and it's kind of a hard question there. But what I would say is is this, that the there are many issues here. Churches, especially the old school denominations, okay, there's a there's a bunch of them. 
um, Baptist, you know, Methodist, Presbyterian, Church of Christ, Episcopalian. Um, I'm missing a couple of them. There's like seven. And uh, most of them have broken up because of a doctrinal problem. And here's what that doctrinal problem is. It usually gets laid at gay marriage or something to that effect or changing, you know, the idea of um, human sexuality and a biblical sexual ethic. All right. But deeper than that, here's the thing that you should ask about your church. Does your church believe that the Bible interpreted correctly, meaning whatever Apostle Paul meant or whatever the gospel writers meant, whatever Moses meant, whoever wrote it, do we understand what it is they meant to be actually true? Okay, some people, some traditions would call it the um, doctrine of inerrancy, okay? Inerrancy doesn't mean that your English Bible in all of its fonts and, and punctuation is inerrant. It means that whatever it was that the Holy Spirit inspired those Bible writers to write, whatever it actually means, that's inerrant, and that the Bible is the final authority on all things for for this life and how to be saved, and that's it. And one of the, the deeper problem isn't just a position one way or the other on some of these issues. It's really the position on, do I need to follow the Scripture, or is the Scripture outdated and I can just change it? You see, this is where the denominations have blown up. It's It's not just the issue, let's say it could be gay marriage, it's really biblical authority. It's it's not, I'm interpreting the Bible to say that uh, homosexuality is okay, and I think that's what it means. It's, I'm interpreting the Bible to say that it's opposed to this lifestyle, but I think that's old-fashioned, so we're just going to change it. So that seems like a subtle difference, but it's a major difference. So what I would tell you, Steve, in your situation is the first thing you should know about your pastors or your priests, uh, whatever tradition that you're in, all people fall short of the glory of God. Whatever pastor you are working with, whatever church, they sin. They sin, they struggle with things, there's something going on, okay? Um, And it's very hard in most cases for even pastors to talk about it because people kind of hold them to a standard where they need to be sinless, uh, which is not fair. Now, that being said, as leaders of the church, they are supposed to be above reproach, okay? That is a major part of leadership in the church. Um, my opinion is this, that if a, a pastor is, or a priest, is practicing in um, a sin that they are not repentant of, then they should not be in that role. Um not sinless, not not struggling, but is it not struggling? Am I saying, am I saying as a pastor that what I'm doing is not actually sin? And some people say, well, Jesus never, you know, talked about homosexuality. No, he talked about sexual immorality, though. And what's important is both sides have to realize that he throws everything into the same category of sexual immorality, that there's no carve out for uh, one type of sexual immorality. The entire culture back then, if you go read, you know, the, the Greek writers, philosophers, Plato, Aristotle, you know, those guys, uh, and a whole lot of them. They all have different uh, things that they write about people's uh, sexual preferences, but outside of the context of marriage, it's always considered sexual immorality, whether they approved of it or not. And so Jesus does condemn that, but he also equates it with fornication, adultery, with whatever it is that you're doing. So you got to be careful about making one sin worse than another. So I think a big thing for the church with respect to the homosexuality issue is 
you know, is this person repentant? You know, what is going on there? That would be something I would ask. You're probably asking a more technical question about is it okay to receive communion from this person? And I would say what you need to do is, first of all, check your own heart for communion. Well, how's your repentance doing? You know, maybe more important than that person giving it to you. How are you doing? Are you turning your heart to God? Are you accepting that what the scriptures say about life is the way you should live if you want to follow Jesus? I think that is uh, big. Are you forgiving of your neighbor who has sinned against you? Uh, Are you able to give grace to them the same way that Jesus gives grace to you, which is what that communion is about? Uh, Those things, I think, matter a lot. And then with respect to the church you're going to, does it believe that the Word of God is true? And in in the world we live in today where the sexual ethic is messed up, there's nobody listening right now, nobody who has not personally or somebody close to them been hurt harmed, wounded by something in the the area of sexual behavior. All of us have. It, the biblical ethic for holding on till you're married and then enjoying it when you're married is something that would bring great healing. And it does bring great healing to people between marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, And that's what I believe. So, you know, is the priest, you know, dealing with homosexuality or some other kind of sexual, uh, what the Bible would declare as sexual immorality. I would want to know, is it repentant? Are they being abstinent? Are they, uh, where is their heart with God on those issues? Uh, That's something I'd want to know. But if they're justifying it, and I've heard people justify all kinds of things. Uh, How many Christians today are not waiting till they're married to have sex? I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm counseling people and when I counsel people and they're going to get married and I ask them, you know, are you, have you already been together? And they say yes a lot of the time. And then I always say to the guy, you need to move out or you need to go stay with a buddy and you need to get right before God before I'll marry you. And you know what's interesting about that is the woman always enjoys it that I say that. The man's always ticked off. But here's the thing. You need to be right before God. And your ministers need to not be perfect, but they need to be right before God. Uh, with those things and with what the Scripture says. I mean, do you believe it's the Word of God or not? If it's not the Word of God, if I can just change it, well, then I can have a church about anything. I can believe anything I want, and really it becomes the church of me. Follow the Scriptures. You know, in this case, Steve, I would I would find out what your church believes, find out what's going on with that pastor, and uh, maybe it's not the place for you. Um, without knowing more details, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, but we need to have a right biblical sexual ethic. We're going to be back in just a moment. I'm Southern, I'm Scott Furrow, Southern California Live, Tuesday edition. Are you playing the lottery? Speaking of issues like that, we're going to ask you when we get back. Stay tuned. Don't go away. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA.